the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome to the Pro-America Report. Glad you could be here listening on the radio or live on Periscope. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, there is a lot happening. I started to mention, by the way, I should have uh, I should have included that just now. Don Shula died. Now, I, Don Shula was the great football coach, Hall of Famer, and football coach of the Miami Dolphins. I met him once, and uh, he was a very nice guy. Here, Hey, there's Gwen coming on on Periscope. And uh, the thing about Don Shula, that was so interesting is he got out of football and he became a businessman and he was more successful, I think, as a businessman in than he was as a um, as a coach. I mean, in terms of money, in terms of making a living. But man, he was a great football coach. So he passed away. And so uh, a lot of folks have been sending me their prayer requests and asking us to pray for him. And let me just tell you, we do it all the time, but we have a special time now. For those of you that have prayer requests, you can always send them to me. And we get to them on Friday mornings, Friday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. East Coast time. We have a special call. It's called the Eagles prayer for america call we get on there sometimes 20 sometimes 30 folks so uh, we pray for all the intentions and all the prayer requests we get during the week so if you have prayer requests you can send them to me directly ed at edmartinlive.com in fact just go to edmartinlive.com sign up in there and it'll get to me you can also text me 314-256-1776 a lot of our great san diego listeners have been texting me about gavin newsom governor newsom what's going on and and all the different problems in california man it's a problem it's amazing but uh you can also go on social media at Eagle Ed Martin, and a lot of folks right now are on Periscope for the opening of the show. So what you need to know, what you need to know today, and by the way, I'm sorry about the lighting. It looks like here in the old home office, we're getting a little bit too hot on the um, on the uh, light in there. Uh, somebody just put on Periscope the webinar. We have a webinar each Wednesday on the Constitution according to President Trump, where we I take a look at how this president has taught us the most valuable part of our country's Constitution, most valuable parts because of the attacks he gets from the, uh, from the left and the media. And we'll have another one on Wednesday. To find out more about that, you can go to uh, phyllisschlafly.com. But now let's get to what you need to know. It's time to go back to normal. Well, not really. It's time to get back. It's uh, We talked a long time ago. What you need to know right now is it's time to end the great pause. It's time for the great restart. And across the country, you're seeing finally the local officials who are understanding that we the people, we the people, the three words that transformed the world, we the people, that's the heart of what happened. We have a say in this now, and we're saying it's time to get restarted. Now, here's what's important. Here's what you need to know. It is time to restart. It is definitely time to restart, but it's also time to understand the risks we're sick of waiting. We're sick of uh, of doing what we were told. We're ready to open America. Go open America. Somebody just put on on social media. But we're also clear eyed about the risks because here's one of the things that I keep telling uh, you listeners and keep telling folks. I get into debates on social media. I get into debates in person. This president of the United States is a serious guy. 
and he is also someone who wants the best for the country. There was a there was a piece in um, in uh, uh, the Wall Street Journal, Peggy Noonan's piece. It was kind of a mess. She she hopped around, but she talked a lot about how they, they she described who had great love for their country. I think it might have been on Thatcher, but she jumped around. It wasn't her best piece. But I was struck by something that one of our eagles said about Donald Trump and Phyllis Schlafly. And what they said was that both of those people love America and they want more of America for more people. And I really think that's the heart of what's happening. And so we, and that's what I want to say, we all agreed. And I, 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 I agreed. Maybe we all didn't agree, but we all ended up doing it. We all said, OK, this must be something so serious because President Trump wouldn't want to do this to our economy. He, he, I don't believe that he was fooled by anyone. I think he saw the threat and he said, we have to do something and we have to do something serious. And I think that's what he did. And what you need to know right now is that what Donald Trump had to do, which had such a massive impact on the economy, had such a massive impact on, on so many lives, was because he saw an even bigger threat. He recognized an even bigger threat that was this disease. Now, whether you, again, whether you believe it was the right move or the wrong move, it was the move. Somebody had to make it. In fact, when you hear the president describe, as he did last night in a town hall, the decision making behind shutting our uh, all travel from China and it saved thousands of lives, likely. But you say to yourself, well, was it too much, too little? Who knows? You can't go back. But the president effectively decided that the threat he was seeing was so big and so serious, we had to do this. And, and I think everybody followed that lead. At this point, we know whatever the description of it was, it's a serious thing. We've got tens of thousands of people that died. We've got tens of thousands more that were impacted by this disease. It's a serious business. It's something that is a real challenge that is, that is we have to face in terms of this illness. However, we have to figure out how to go back. And here's what I want to tell you. There are risks right? If you're over 70 or 65 even, and you can afford to take your time going back, you need to do that. You don't, if, if you're, uh, if you have serious uh, diseases and you can change your lifestyle, then you need to change your lifestyle. In other words, if you're young and healthy, if you're in the prime of your life or even younger than the prime of your life, then go for it. But if you've got these other things, we need to understand there is some risk. And when there is, when there are people who get sick again, and there are people that die, we have to be adult enough to know we tried the other way. We tried to shut down the economy and we couldn't do it. It didn't work. It's not sustainable. And therefore, we're doing something else and we're making this decision. So it's not shut down America or open America, frankly. It's that what you need to know is it's adults making adult decisions. And we, the people, have a right now to demand that our leaders let us go back into our world, back into our... That's right. Someone just put on social on uh, Periscope, in God we trust. You're exactly right. We have to be willing to take the chance, weigh the risks, weigh the costs, take the chance, and move out. But we have to also be the leaders. Most of the people in this country are being brainwashed by the, by the mainstream media, by the fake news, and they're getting a constant diet of the world is ending, it's Trump's fault, or they're getting a constant diet of the world is ending, it's all these uh, people taking the deep state taking over. By the way, I believe in the deep state taking a lot of uh, shots at us, but right now I know that we the people have the ability to move ourselves back and take back our nation. The problem is we have to also be the leaders, the mature ones. And when there are people in our lives, as will certainly happen, that pass away because of the disease, that's part of life. 
it's sad, it's scary, and all that stuff. And we want to fight, fight, fight to stop every single one. But the fact is, we know that there are worse things than trying to fight through an illness, trying to fight through. Look, in the old days, in many of the places when a plague swept through, what they did was throw the people who got sick out. They didn't take care of them. They didn't worry. They got them out so they couldn't infect or they isolated so they couldn't infect. Quarantine comes from the word from the word of being sent to an island for 40 days outside of Venice because you were put on the island to stay away, to get clear. There's a lot of things that we could and we're not doing that. But we, the people and we, the people that understand the Constitution, have to take back our country and fight for it. But let's be careful. I was on a in a conversation with John Schlafly earlier today. And John was pointing out that a lot of our rights and freedoms in the Constitution can be limited. But we have to make sure they're limited for a short time. And we have to make sure that they're not limited permanently. Same thing. But we also have to make sure they're not limited gratuitously. At this point, people that live in a community that want to go to church and stay six feet apart, there's no reason, there's no credible reason that they shouldn't be allowed to take that risk that they shouldn't be allowed to decide for themselves this is what they want to do. Now, I got to tell you, if I'm a 75-year-old and I I have diabetes or I have some other thing, there's a reason to think, hey, how do I go back? How do I do this? How am I careful about it? But that's, we're adults. We're Americans. We the people. And we can get that done. And what you need to know is we're coming into a period. That's right. Someone said freedom of choice. That's true. Freedom of choice. And that freedom has responsibilities, has costs. And when those costs come, we have to bear them, right? And we'll do that. We've tried it the way of shutting down and maybe it flattened the curve. I don't know. I can't I can't really understand the data. I don't really believe any of it. But what we know is we are here today and it's time to move ahead. And we the people can do that. Hollywood won't help. Fake news won't help. Won't, the, the left won't help. A lot of times the Republican Party is too scared to do the right things, too. So it's going to take an effort by we the people to band together, to understand and to keep going. And the only thing you have to say is it's everything's at stake. That's right. Someone said small business is being strangled by this. He said everything's at stake now. We have to come back. We have to restart and we have to be the leaders. And that's what you need to know. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we got some great guests, including Roger Stone's new lawyer, his lawyer who's come on board, who was on Hannity the other night. We'll talk with him in a minute. We'll be right back here on the radio show. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report and our great friend and the official Pro-America correspondent of the program, Selena Zito, is with us today. And I, Selena, I was going to ask you, I want to talk about the piece that came out just today or late yesterday on Virginia and Tennessee. Before we get to that, I have to tell you, my family was so happy. My birthday was a couple of weeks ago. I think your birthday was a while ago. Was your birthday a few weeks ago? Me? No, September. Oh, well, I got that. Whose birthday in your family, though? You put something up on Twitter. Was somebody's birthday? Anyway, okay, forget it. Sorry, this is terrible My live radio. But, it, was um, fourth, so, it was her fourth birthday. Oh, that's what it was. I saw that. Yes, got it. Okay, so, um, and were you reading a book through at her through the window? Is that what it was? Yeah, I was. It's the only way I can see my grandchildren is through a window. Yeah, that was a cool, that was a great, I mean, it was, I'm sorry for that, but it was a great, uh, it was a great image. I mean, great visual of that. So, all right. So Selena, I was good. It was my birthday a few weeks ago or five, now longer than that, five weeks ago. And my kids thought it would be great and a great idea to buy me 
a bocce set for the yard. And of course, Mike, we're, we're all Irish. I mean, we went to Italy as a family, but we're Irish. And so they thought it was cl- clever. And of course, I in St. Louis, where we were living, they had bocce courts on the hill like you'd go like like you described in this column. So then your column came out and it was uh, it was so uh, funny to see this piece on on the uh, on bocce and uh, and playing. And where did you where was that? Where did you tell me again? Tell the story about where it was. So that's in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, the restaurant is officially called uh, the Mahoning Valley Restaurant, uh, but everybody in Youngstown, Ohio, and in and around the Tri-County area calls it the MVR. It's been there since mm. 1927. Uh, it's an Italian... Well, it originally started as an, an immigrant uh, neighborhood uh, during sort of the Great Migration Industrial Revolution in the 1890s to 1920s. Uh, but by 1927, it was almost all Italian, and the Cassisi family right. uh, started it in, in that year, and it's still in the family, fourth generation. Is that little neighborhood still Italian around? In St. Louis, we have we have a neighborhood that's called The Hill, which is where Joe Gargiola and Yogi Berra and a bunch of other people grew up. And it's still today Italian. And you can go there and some of the old timers are still talking Italian. There's bocce courts behind three or four of the restaurants. Is that little neighborhood still Italian-American? Well, unfortunately, there was nothing left to that neighborhood. Everything was torn down. Um, Spooky mm. Hollow uh, was right along Crab Creek uh, where all the mills were. And when they oh. left, you know, eventually the people left, and then it was nothing but mm. abandoned old homes. So, uh, but the good news is, is that Youngstown State University has bought um, all that property and plans on using it as part of their campus. So that means, you know, it's still a vital part of of the city and it still means lots of people get to enjoy the MVR, which has like the biggest watching courts in I forget how many states. It's just amazing. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, that's a great one. So, all right, I want to ask you about this story though, because it's um, I think it's I I think it's an untold story so far, or yet we won't know for a while about how the politics implement impacts. And this this piece we're talking with Selena Zito, and go to selenazito.com and and follow her there. And and if you sign up, she'll they, she sends you an email when she posts an article uh, or a column. So this is you're in Bristol, Tennessee, on the Bristol, Tennessee, and Virginia state line. One side is sort of wide open, the other side is almost entirely locked down, both a little overstatement. But what? tell me what you found there. So Bristol is a really interesting town. First of all, it's known for being the home of country music. This is where the big bang happened, where everyone sort of found out about country music because the phonograph uh, recording started down there. They became known as the Bristol Sessions. and began with the Carter sisters, yeah. uh, just like June Carter Cash. Uh, but... Uh, you know, on one side of the street, the street is literally goes, uh, or the state street literally goes down the middle of the business district in uh, in Bristol. And on one side is Tennessee, which is open for business. And on the other side is Virginia, which is not open for business. And I was down there on Saturday, and it was really kind of difficult to watch to see people on one side of the street, you know, being able to buy things and go out to eat and do their, you know, get back to normal life. Well, all the businesses on the Virginia side were closed with the exception of the burger bar and a clothing store. And they are having um, pickup 
uh, only. Oh. People could drive up and pick right. up their with their orders. Um, and, and the Virginia side is also sort of saddled with higher taxes, and um, and so that also impacts that that side of town. And you know, and I think this is the debate we're going to see in this country for the next month or two, where you have these more rural areas that are largely separated. Let's just take Virginia, um, you know, as an example. You know, Governor Northam today, now he may change his mind tomorrow, Lord only knows, uh, but today he is doing it the entire state as this sort of this monolithic entity. But if you think of, if you've ever been to Southern Virginia, it ain't nothing like uh, the suburbs that surround Washington, D.C. and Northern Virginia. And so, you know, the, the challenge going forward is, do these governors decide to do these sort of county-by-county or region-by-region rollout as opposed to treating their state as all counties are created equal? Yeah. We're talking with Selena Zito and her piece, which is up at uh, at the uh, WashingtonExaminer.com, and I'll put it up. It's uh, entitled On Virginia-Tennessee Border, One Side's Now Open for Business, the Other Side's Still in Lockdown. So, Selena, you, you know, you're, you're a pretty keen observer now, uh, and your book, of course, The Great Revolt uh, with Brad uh, Todd, for, Todd from a few years ago, tapped into what happened in 2016 in terms of voters, and he was looking as a sort of uh, political guy, and you were looking as a journalist looking at the people. Um, is... How, how who do they hold accountable? Let me give you an example. You know, Wall Street Journal has a column, uh, has a piece today on Florida has not been hit as bad. And it, you know, remember for a minute they were making Ron DeSantis into the devil because he didn't close down fast enough and, and dramatically enough. Well, now it looks like he might have been either right or lucky. I'm not sure which. Doesn't matter. Um, s- same thing with Trump. Trump had hoped it was going to be the president was hoping it would be uh, sixty thousand. It looks like it's going to be more dead. Uh, however you figure it. And but who politically who do you, where do you think this lands or don't we know we don't know we absolutely don't know because people are all all over the place where you think a democrat should be on something you find them on the side with republicans where you think republicans might be on something you find them on the side of what would traditionally be a democrat attitude and and so there's sort of this cross-pollination that's going on that honestly i don't think has been quite sorts sorted out. But I do know that the debate going into November will include how willing we were to give up our freedoms and what it looked like and why we will be hesitant, likely, uh, 100%, mm-hmm. might be hesitant to ever sort of fall that way again. And then there becomes another challenge. Because, well, what if this gets worse again? What if it's bad in the fall again? Will we go willingly? Right. Will we Will we not? We, these are so many things we don't know the answer to. And so for um, people to think this is going to happen and or that is going to happen in November because of what we did now, I think are, if they're right, they're lucky because I don't think there's, there's <laughs> as Donald Rumsfeld used to say, there's so many known unknowns. That's who we are. Uh, that's 
Yeah. We're talking with Selena Zito again, selenazito.com. Selena, I just got over, just over a minute, but I want to ask you, um, your piece, again, is on the on the Tennessee-Virginia border. But in there, you talk about him. Have you ever seen, I mean, Governor Ralph Northam, of course, Virginia only has one term for their governors, so he has nothing to lose, no reason. He's got no political right. future, I suppose. But he was close to the end of his uh, political existence and having to, and here he is making these massive decisions never to be elected again. I mean, you talk about a fascinating figure in, in sort of uh, history of, of politics and governing. What, what, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? It is, but, you know, no decision, uh, the, 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 the implications of, of all decisions aren't created in the vacuum, right? This could definitely right. impact his party. It could impact who becomes the next governor, who holds the, the Democrats have a slim majority right now. Does it flip back to the Republicans? I, I think there's consequences for everything that people do. And, and while, you know, he doesn't face any consequences because he doesn't have to run again. Um, his what his what happens next is will be reflective of how people felt on how he handled this situation. Yeah, it is going to be interesting to watch more. It'll be require more Selena Zito uh, coverage and journalism. So we'll be there to hear from you. Selena Zito dot com. Thanks, Selena. Travel safe and uh, keep us in keep us in the loop. Oh, thanks for having me. People can sign up at Selena Zito dot com. That'd be great. SelenaZito.com. That's right. Sign up there and she'll send you an email. And she's getting better. She sends them almost every time she writes a column because she writes a column every 10 seconds and sometimes she's too busy going to the next one. So thanks, Selena. We'll talk again soon and we'll take a quick break. I'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. You have heard me for many, many months, really uh, probably years now, speak about the injustice that I believe that um, Roger Stone has um, been living through. And um, and I, you know, I've, I've said he's a hero uh, for standing up against the coup against this president, uh, against uh, against we the people. Uh, and so I often have um, I've had Roger Stone on the show and then he had, of course, he was quiet for a while. He came on a week or two ago and I mentioned to him over the weekend, I was texting with him said, hey, if anything you want to talk about? And he said, you know, Ed, I'd prefer to uh, for you to invite uh, my new lawyer. His name is David Schoen uh, for the appeal. Roger Stone is appealing uh, his uh, case. And I said, hey, what, I'd love to talk to him. I love talking to lawyers if they're smart. And uh, he must be if he's Roger's lawyer. So, David, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? Thank you very much. Fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing fine. So what, uh, what a lot of us hear and see, and, and I, I'm, I'm talking sort of for my listeners because I watch it closer and know more details. We say, well, Roger Stone was it was a bad trial. The, the judge didn't see that the four uh, the foreman of the jury that she was really uh, biased. But what's the what's the appeal process right now? People, the political thing people see, you know, I think it was Congressman Matt Gates was on one of the shows and he thought that the president would pardon Roger Stone. We don't know. We don't know the politics and the possibilities, but you're a, you're his lawyer for this appeal. What does the appeal process look like right now? Sure. Good question. So he just filed a notice of appeal on Friday. That gives notice that his uh, conviction and sentence will be appealed. And both of those are at issue in the appeal. That goes to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. And then after some preliminary paper filing, like the transcript record and things like that, uh, the court will set a briefing schedule so that we'll file a brief yep. raising all of the issues for appeal. The government will file a response and then we'll file a reply. And then the court will decide whether to set it for oral argument months down the road. 
So what we know basically is um, an appeal. We don't yet know, and you're probably not going to tell us on the air that, that the, the exactly what the claims on appeal are. But suffice to say that at the, you, you, you get a crack at the, the courts to say, hey, it just wasn't done right. Or and, and maybe does it stop any kind of sentence? Does is there can you get a stay to stop the imposition of the sentence or do you just have to go? I mean, it, 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 tell me, walk me through both of those aspects of it. Sure. Well, you've asked a lot of good questions tied up in there. Uh, first of all, it would be absolutely insane and outrageous to send Roger Stone to prison uh, under any circumstances, but especially with this COVID-19 virus uh, just decimating the prisons right now. They, uh, you know, they, they haven't done much testing within the prisons, but for those they've tested, the re- most recent report is 70% of the inmates have tested positive for the coronavirus. So this is a 67-year-old man with health problems, a nonviolent crime. I don't believe he was guilty of any crime, but in any event, worst case scenario, nonviolent crime with a uh, you know forty month sentence. He should never be sent to prison uh, in this case. But in any event, we can apply for a stay uh, pending appeal, get bail pending appeal. We'd first have to go back to his trial court judge. She denied it. Uh, then we would go to the court of appeals for that. But I, I will discuss with you, you know, a couple of the issues today that certainly yeah, ought to do. be in the appeal. Um, well, let's, yeah. let's take first of all. First of all, there's an issue in this case, which, uh, you know, we'll, we'll discuss down the road what was said about it in the district court. But I'm actually working on a piece on this right now. Understand this. This is what I think all of your listeners should know, which epitomizes the unfairness of this prosecution, the outrageousness of this prosecution. Roger Stone was charged. Had, his prosecution had nothing whatsoever to do with so-called Russia collusion. Everybody understood that the Mueller team's mandate was to weed out and prosecute so-called Russia collusion, interference by Russia with the 2016 election. The judge said at Roger Stone's sentencing, this case had nothing whatsoever to do with Russia collusion. Um, But that doesn't matter, she said. Well, to the American people, it might matter. What was the Mueller team Mm -hmm. doing in this case if it had nothing to do with Russia collusion? She said instead, what this case was about, was underlying it, was Roger Stone's wishes to get Hillary Clinton's emails and emails regarding the Clinton Foundation from Julian Assange through his WikiLeaks business. And he was going to use that, according to the judge, for what they call opposition research. You know, the sort of thing that the Clinton campaign and the DNC paid for against Donald Trump. In any event, nobody got charged with that, of course. But any event, according to the judge, that was Roger Stone's mission, to get these Hillary Clinton emails and Clinton Foundation emails from Julian Assange. Well, take a look at this. The prosecutor in the Roger Stone case, the head of the Mueller team that prosecuted him, a woman named Jeannie Rhee. Jeannie Rhee was Hillary Clinton's lawyer in the email investigation specifically and a lawyer for the Clinton Foundation in a lawsuit against them. Jeannie Rhee worked for the law firm Wilmer Hale. Wilmer Hale was the same law firm that Robert Mueller was working at when he was brought on as special counsel, along with two other members of the Mueller team. How on earth could they possibly have, could anyone possibly think it's fair to have the lawyer for Hillary Clinton in the email scandal and in the Clinton Foundation prosecuting in the name of the American people, Roger Stone, who according to the judge's agenda, had to do directly with the Hillary Clinton emails. This is outrageous. Nobody believes that. There's a constitutional right and an ethical right to an impartial, conflict-free, conflict-free prosecutor in this country. That was completely uh, violated in this case. So that, that's one D- issue. 
Yeah, yeah, no, and and we're talking. I'm going to just say, uh, and David, um, uh, remind our listeners. I think, I think for now, um, if you want to help Roger, the the, the defense uh, fund, right? Can you remind us of that website? Do I don't know? know the website. I'm sorry. I don't okay, I'll, I'll find. I'll find. I'll find it while we're talking. But, but back to. Uh, so that was the first issue. But we're talking with David Schoen, who's a new lawyer for Roger Stone on, on this appeal. David, what's the? You know, what are the chances? I mean, people like uh, my listeners are like, "Wow, it sounds like David Schoen knows what he's talking about. He's the lawyer here." You're going to go to court. But what are the chances? I mean, I hate to say it. The way we saw the swamp stacked against Roger Stone and, and Mike Flynn, I'm so was the FISA court in some sense. And so are, are the courts going to be the same way? Well, you know, that's the problem. What you've just described is the problem. And that, that's really what I think was one of the greatest shames of this whole special counsel appointment. Robert Mueller, whether he should have been appointed or not, you know, is up for debate. But assuming some special counsel had to have been appointed, why on earth did he pick a team of all the same political agenda? By the way, that prosecutor I mentioned who prosecuted Roger Stone, Jeannie Ree, by all reports contributed $5,400 to the Clinton campaign 2015-2016. So anyway, this kind of skewing of the process makes the American people lose confidence in the integrity of the process. And unfortunately, they were given real reason for that here. So I, I, I want to go. Uh, so the, what are the chances? Listen, every appeal is to some degree a long shot. We're only allowed to address the legal issues. I'm not satisfied that uh, sufficient discovery was given in the district court. We're going to have to take a look at that issue, see whether we have to go back there. But think about this as a fundamental issue in this case, which any court and the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit has constantly reaffirmed these principles. The judge in this case, as you well know, issued the most draconian gag order I've ever seen. That is, she prohibited Roger Stone, his lawyers, his family, his friends, any surrogates from commenting publicly at all about the case, about the Mueller team and about the Mueller investigation, or even retweeting someone else's post on social media about it. But she went further. There's a fundamental mm. principle in the criminal criminal law that a defense theory it's always open to a defense theory to challenge the integrity of the investigation in the case. But this judge entered an order right. prohibiting the defense from challenging or attacking the Mueller team, their agenda, or the integrity of the investigation in this case. That's a great issue for appeal. Yeah, that that's that, I think that sounds um, very strong. I mean, you know, one of the things I, I think that sounds very strong. All right. So, um, David, Schoen, we're going to run out of time and I got about a minute and a half. Um, what's the timeline for people that have been watching? And as you point out, Roger Stone has been silenced. He's able to say more now because uh, the sort of in some ways the case is decided. But uh, what's the timeline? I mean, it, some of this stuff can drag on for years, right? That's right. Actually, the judge expressly lifted the gag order, so now he can finally comment. Um, the timeline is that, you know, we'll get a briefing order that will have our brief due something like, you know, June, July. Government will have another 30 days. So you're certainly well into the fall. My hope is that the president uh, sees fit to give Roger Stone a pardon sooner rather than later, along with General Flynn, of course. But but I think that's the only check we really have on the lawlessness that has um, characterized this prosecution and so much of the work of the Mueller team, which appears just to be rotten to the core. 
Yeah, I David Schoen, I appreciate it. And let me tell you, it's stonedefensefund.com. People, I hate to say it, but people try to set up sort of similar funds, and sometimes they all help. But the one that I know that Roger Stone uh, can use help if folks are interested, stonedefensefund.com. And uh, thank you, David Schoen, for stepping up and taking this case and helping Roger Stone and for your insight. And we'll look forward to hearing more and keep us in the loop if there's uh, any news we need to cover. We appreciate it very much. And uh, we'll, we'll take a quick break and be right back. Thank it's you. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. The Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Thanks to the Democrats' control in the House of Delegates in Virginia, It will soon be legal in the Commonwealth to bet on football games and other sporting events, except for contests involving Virginia college teams. This misguided move ushers in a new costly addiction for millions of sports fans in the state who can soon waste their family savings in an effort to get rich quick. Just because the Democrats covet the tax dollars of legal sports gambling, they're willing to unleash the covetousness of the entire state. A misguided ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court in 2018 opened the floodgates to the legalization of sports gambling, but many states have wisely declined the invitation. Studies show that the poor are most hurt by legalized gambling, and they are the least able to afford it. The results of these studies just make sense. With all the glitz and glamour of promising a better life fast, sports betting preys upon poor people who just want a little bit of hope. Instead, sports betting leaves them hopelessly indebted and thirsty for another chance, like a castaway on a life raft, thinking the salt water might just quench his thirst. A total of 15 states currently allow some form of sports gambling, and five other states, plus the District of Columbia, are on track to legalize it. It's a race to the bottom as states compete with each other in facilitating the massive waste of time and money that comes with sports gambling. Although Democrats argue that sports gambling will create a new stream of tax revenue for the state, they don't mention the very real financial costs that come with it. When a man squanders his family's entire life savings with the hopes of getting rich quick, who is he going to turn to in his desperation afterwards? That's right, he's going to the government for food, housing, and other handouts. A once productive citizen raising other productive citizens will be trapped in the cycle of poverty that already has a grip on far too many people. Don't let the families in your state be the next victims of this covetous disaster. Oppose all attempts to legalize sports gambling. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As President Trump fulfills his campaign promises, his accomplishments on trade, immigration, the economy, and protecting the unborn should be celebrated, not ignored or diminished. To track these victories, go to phyllisschlafly.com and find out what's next for the Trump presidency at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Let me wrap things up today. I got to talk to you about this. It's very important. I mentioned it on the Twitter, uh, on the old Twitter machine on Periscope uh, a while ago. And here's the thing. You you need to know this. This is so important um, that, that 
elections have consequences and the impact of it. But I've been telling you, dear listener, for a very long time that the only dictatorship, the only dictatorship in American political life, uh, let me say federal political life, there, there are some at the state level. There are some states that have some. But in the federal system, the only dictatorship, there's only one. It's not Donald Trump, not a dictator. It's not um, uh, John Roberts, Chief Justice John, not a dictator. It's not any of those people. The only one's not Mitch McConnell. He's got to deal with every senator complaining, every filibuster threat. He's got to deal with all sorts of Democrats. It's one Nancy Pelosi. She really is truly a full-blown dictator, has total control of the House, by, by the way, operation. And that's why the dog meat in this bill, it, 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 maybe it's a good thing in the sense that the dog meat that's in the bills, the coronavirus bills, the, uh, you know, all these bailouts and all, there, a lot of it is originated, a lot of it is the bad, the worst stuff is originating from Nancy Pelosi's office. But what you need to know on this one, and it's really bad is that they have so much power in the House that she has so much power and she sent the House home because once she gets to be Speaker and has control, that's it. Nobody else has a voice. There's no filibuster. There's a few procedural wranglings you can do. Remember a few weeks ago, Tom Massey from Kentucky, congressman, tried to force a, instead of letting a voice vote go, he tried to force a roll call and that can muck things up, but not for long. And they kind of rolled him anyway. It's terrible. I mean, good guy. But Nancy Pelosi in the Wall Street Journal uh, today, yeah, it was today, um, Bradley Byrne, congressman from Alabama, he writes, Republican, about how Nancy Pelosi's a, a total dictator and that they're not able to influence things. They're not able to have committee hearings. They're not able to have any kind of thing. There's not anything. So here's the power of it. She's in charge of everything in the House, which originates all spending bills. And 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 trust me. Her world is gathered around by lobbyists and other special interests that are helping her decide who to reward and not reward and then helping fund campaigns. So it's a game. It's a racket. It's a racket. And she plays it really, really well. You have to respect it. You have to respect it even if you don't like it. And I don't like it. You shouldn't like it. But you have to respect what's going on. That's the way that is. So Brad, Congressman Byrne goes through the, the complaints about how, in fact, luckily, he said they beat off the effort. She wanted to have proxy voting, which means she just gather all of her Democratic caucus and do whatever she want. Wouldn't even have to talk. Now, at least they have to go sort of just through a sort of kabuki theater where they actually look like they're going to vote and look like they care. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a it is a really, really um, rotten thing. But frankly, it's what I told you was going to happen when uh, we had the situation in 2018 where the Democrats had lots of money coming from Bloomberg and other Soros fund, all these things to try to win seats. And, and the Democrats were desperate to win seats and the Republicans were lazy. And they had places where you didn't have any uh, real leadership, like uh, in Virginia, where I live now, you didn't have any leadership. The Virginia Republican Party was just nothing. And so everybody said, oh, well, we'll do better than we think. And everybody thought they'd try. Everybody tried. Everybody tried, you know, tried to do that. They tried to do better. But it was just a disaster. And my and that's what the that's the consequences of what's happening. All right. One more update. I got somebody last week. I was talking baseball. I was talking baseball. And I mentioned that Taiwan, I think it was Taiwan, went back to playing. Uh, South Korea went back to playing. One of the Korean baseball leagues went back to playing, I think, either today or tomorrow. Um, and there is now talk of baseball being back by the middle of summer. 
likely in some kind of, uh, you know, very few fans, but also sort of a controlled thing where the, the players play in a certain number of locations where they're not traveling on planes, they're not staying in hotels, they're just playing. Uh, but I think that I think that's right. And I think you're going to see that the major sports are going to be so desperate to get back because they make so much money off of TV. I mean, they, they make a lot of money off of it uh, in person. And, and mo- each club makes quite a bit of money in person. But the rest of it is all based on TV. Um, you know, the NFL next week is going to announce their schedule for the fall. They're, they're mapping it out and they're going to go forward. Even if they end up having to have no uh, fans or very few fans, they're going to go forward with a schedule. Because they need to wrap things up. They need to, excuse me, they need to have some predictability on what's going to happen and they need to get back to playing. So I, I, that's where you're going to, I think you're going to see all those things heading. All right. And finally, we'll get an update in a, uh, in a few, um, uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday, from uh, one of uh, General Flynn's folks. I'm not sure who will come on, uh, but one of the people that we're going to talk to tomorrow is uh, former Congressman McCotter, uh, Thaddeus Thad McCotter from uh, Michigan, who will come on the show, and he uh, wrote a piece that is uh, just um, scathing on the conduct of the government in the Russia uh, hoax, and uh, it'll be well worth, um, you will want to uh, see it and hear it and, and hear that interview, which will be tomorrow. So we'll get some of that. And as I mentioned, we'll get an update from the Flynn folks also. So let's um, look forward to that. And we got to run. We got to run. As, as usual, we're going right up against the uh, uh, end of things. Remember, uh, the show is a podcast. It's very helpful if you send your friends and neighbors and others a link to it. You can get it at iTunes and Google Play. You can also go over to TheAnswerSanDiego.com and get it uh, there and uh, download it and hit on the links and all that stuff and pass it on. And again, you can go on social media at Eagle Ed Martin on Facebook. It's Ed Martin Live. All those places you can track things down. As usual, thank you to our fearless technical director, Noah, who is uh, playing injured today a little bit. And I mean, doesn't, you wouldn't notice it there, but he's uh, working hard, as well as Joanna, who helps to book the show and keep all these great guests in line. So we will be back tomorrow. <clears throat> Pardon me. And we got a lot more to cover then, as I said. Uh, also, oh, later on the week, we'll have... Um, David Horowitz back. He's got a new book, and he wanted to come on and talk about that that's coming out. So we've got that to look forward to. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then.